Who ever would have imagined that counting from one to ten could be so torturous that each number made you suffer? That it would show you elements of your life that you had never imagined. That you could accomplish things that you didn't even know you could just by simple mathematics. Numbers. Simple. One, two, three that they would have such a significance in your training. A cadence like no other cadence. A cadence that brought you to a higher calling. God. Who would have known? But it did. Each one of those cadences for over a decade made me sweat, made me move, made me go beyond the limits that I could never have imagined. And I succeeded, but it was a hard journey. Nothing easy about this journey. Just imagine a wood pine floor in the middle of Miami, maybe about 4,000 square feet, windows sometimes opened, sometimes not, air conditioning, not here baby. I'm not going to see it. And you'd start off very cordially, bowing, showing respect to each other, ref refraining from violent behavior, having a mentality to endeavor, to respect others. You would bow to each other and to the rules of that club that you were a part of. And once the warm-up started, every element of your body was moved in position to get ready. And you would get ready. Necks, shoulders, arms, Wrist, upper body, waist, legs, knees, ankles, toes, flexing, becoming more and more flexible as you went along. And then you'd fall into place. And it started. The cadence had its own song, its own rhythm. You were to move to that cadence and move to those numbers. They were to motivate you, they were to make you, they were to break you. But you were going to hear them. 
and how subtle they were. Simply itch, neem, song, she, go, rook, seech, hatch, cool, jew. I am Ed. Welcome to episode 19 of Everybody Was Kung Fu Fighting. I'm your host, Alpha Mike. On this show and this series that we've picked, we're looking at the hot topic. What is the hot topic? Well, it's our second one on lpoliceradio.com. The first one, we've, we've advocated and we continue to advocate for retired officers as they leave the force to given the option that they can stay as part-timers. Part-timers will, of course, uh, help that agency and those agencies immensely. Imagine the experience that they have with 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 years, and they're in these elements, and they can work 24 hours, they can work 16 hours, they can work uh, anything on a part-time basis, they can work cold case they can do just simple traffic calls. They can do so much. You don't have to train a newbie. You don't have to train a kid just fresh out of high school. You've got the experience right there, and you can tap into it for a little, little longer. That's hot topic number one. Hot topic number two, which originated from this series, Everybody Was Kung Fu Fighting, is every law enforcement agency in this country their academy or training center should have trained martial artists on staff to enrich the careers of each law enforcement officer in the development of martial arts technique. Not just the basic element that they received in the academy. That's not going to make it. That's not going to hack it. Okay? It's a proficiency. You don't use it, you lose it. Well, here... What we need is we need to keep it. We need to make it better. The state curriculum of what you might have learned in, in your given state in your jurisdiction is what the state requires you to do. But it doesn't stop the agency from exceeding those. I know there's a big deal with liability. Remember our episode that we did on uh, the, the terrorist state within this country being lawyers, okay? They will, of course, attack every element of an officer's use of force. But when you can prove that your use of force did what it was created to do, and you can show the elements of why it can do what they say it can do. Therefore, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid you're sitting behind the golden desk? You got your golden stars and you don't want to lose any of them, so you're not a risk taker. You're not going to gamble your stars. Well, shame on you. You're on the wrong business. You need to think out of the box because when you're thinking in the box, you're stuck in that box and you're never going to be challenged. How do you challenge yourself doing things that you're not comfortable with, coming up with ideas that 
are innovating and motivating of the agency that you're running. So why is this a good idea? Look at the arts, judo, any and every law enforcement state agency in this country has the foundation of judo in their defensive tactics curriculum. There are other elements there too. But just as firearms is scrutinized, defensive tactics should be scrutinized. You, the listener, you're not into policing. You, you've never been a part of it, but you're, you, you found a curiosity in this podcast so you're listening and you're trying to figure out what in the hell am I talking about? Have you ever noticed that when you see media scrutiny of law enforcement, it has to do with a mechanical issue? He shot a gun. She deployed her taser. The tactical baton was used. Okay? Usually... Not all the time, but usually the higher percentage is that the officers are using a secondary um, form of weaponry or the primary, which is the gun. And primarily, all law enforcement officers and the creation of law enforcement in this country, the primary tool to use use of force was hands, <coughs> your hands. Too often, officers are afraid to apply their physical hands to a subject, knowing that their reaction might be violent. They want to get the heads up, so they're ready and at the willing to go for a taser. Agencies require it. If you are in the position that you're going to be in a use of force, do not use hands. Use tasers. All these things are a huge mistake. Now, could the officer deploy a taser instead of using hands? Yes, that should be an option. But does the officer have to use the taser first? That's a problem. So when you dictate force from the, the comfortable leather chair in your office as you're sipping sparkling water, looking out the great view of your window, you're dictating a fluid and dynamic event that you have no idea how it will start, what will be the occurrences of it, and how it will conclude. But what you do know is you don't care about those elements. You're going to tell the officer, you shall. Those are biblical words of humongous uh, elevations there. You shall deploy your taser. You shall deploy your OC spray. You shall. But it doesn't talk. A lot of agencies are not talking about hands. That's concerning. And the reason is it is pure fear. <gasps> fear. And I'm not hating on any of the current new law enforcement officers from the millennials 
as they proceed into law enforcement. But they were not shown as my generation, and definitely I wasn't shown as the generation prior to me. But I can tell you in my generation, the application was hands. All that other stuff on the utility Batman belt was just there and could be used at your leisure. But it was hands. Of course, it depended on the size and structure of your subject. So why did we get away from that? Because we came up with these great innovations called secondary weapons and how secondary weapons were going to make officers a lot more safer. And in regards, they most likely are, but there are highly now more scrutinized in the court system and in the media and in, in the social networking arena. No. They are criticized at high, high levels. They are allowing the liberal, liberal influences of government in the jurisdictions that they are law enforcement officers to scrutinize how they're using those secondary weapons without absolutely not a lick of training on how to perform a use of force, how to judge a use of force, what are the elements of force. And there you have it, folks. I recently saw an individual on YouTube. He's an officer, and I'm not going to mention him. And I basically saw about 20, 25 minutes of this video. And in the beginning, uh, I said, okay, well, I'm going to be open-minded. I had no idea where he's taking this video. The video is he's in self-defense, uh, defensive tactics instructor. He's showing how difficult it is to perform defensive tactics routines and how that people that teach martial arts and say that they can guarantee certain techniques will work are idiotic and foolish and you've never worn a uniform. Well, partly of what he was saying might have been true. But what really pissed me off in his freaking videos is that he gave up like a little girl. Okay, all the demonstrations they were showing. Oh, look, I had to turn around. He attacked me with a knife. Oh, look, look, he got me. Listen, folks, if you've ever been in uniform, if you've ever gone to training, whether it's firearms, secondary weaponry, or defensive tactics, the element of never giving up as long as you're freaking breathing will bring you home. Don't be watching these patsies on freaking YouTube showing, oh, look, yeah, he got me, see? I couldn't do anything. Bullshit. That's what that is. Excuse my language, but bull is not really um, a curse word, and shit is what you do every day, and we all do in our uh, home facilities. But the honest truth is he's, he's full of it. You don't give up. What kind of freaking instructor are you? You don't give up. You push. You push harder. You push faster. Okay, the guy got you. 
you know, I, I've, it might have been five or six years ago, there was a story in the news in Miami when I, when I was assigned down there and lived down there where a Marine on furlough in Miami, I believe it was, he was in the Fort Lauderdale area at the time, uh, ran into a suspect, tried to disarm, they tried to mug him or something like that. He ends up disarming one of the bad guys. There are several here, I think three or, and uh, in the course of the struggle, he is shot, I believe, uh, two times. And he immediately, even though he's shot, he's injured, he did wrestle the weapon away from one of the bad guys. He used it against the bad guy, and now he's after the other bad guy. He inserted his two fingers inside his wound to stop it from bleeding and continued in the fight. Bottom line, he's the victor, went to the hospital, stitched him back up, put on his helmet, went back to war because the Marine Corps taught him the right way. So don't ever see a YouTube video. I don't give a crap what kind of uniform you're wearing and you're Joe Sixpack. If you're showing people on the other side, give up, you need to get out of the business. I almost said something that would have got me in trouble because it pisses me off. That's not proper training. So we're looking at here, will the martial art that we're looking at in this series, everybody was kung fu fighting, will they work in day-to-day -day operations in law enforcement? We're looking at judo. We're looking at jujitsu. We're looking at karate. And we're looking at elements of Aikido, not, not in its entirety, just in a couple of elements. And we're looking at Krav Maga. So if we go based on the video that I was talking about, and I'll go ahead and post it. Hey, what the hell? I'll go ahead and post it. I piss some, one more person off? Who cares? I'll post it on lpoliceradio.com. You can see uh, this person discussing his mythology. But if we know that defensive tactics have elements of judo, of wrestling and everything else. Here, here's, a, here's a couple of question marks that really go out there. Your state curriculum. So if you're a law enforcement officer, I don't care where, California, Texas, Florida, New York, New Jersey, we, you know, let's not do all 50 states. You got, you got, got the hint? You're governed by the curriculum of law enforcement or peace officer status in your state. They have created in their curriculum to become an officer certain uh, elements that you have to complete. Firearms, driving, CPR, and, um, you know, there, there could be, you know, elements of report writing and so forth. But one of them that's definitely in there for all of them is defensive tactics. Now, here are the questions that need to be uh, looked at. Number one, how old is your curriculum from your state? Second, when was the last time it was updated? Not the book, the moves, the techniques. Are the techniques from the 1970s and, and the curriculum book 
gets renewed every three to four or five years, but the freaking same old moves? Here's another question. That curriculum that they teach officers in your given state, in your jurisdiction, will it hold up to a black belt, let's say, sixth degree in karate? Will it hold up to a three or fourth degree black belt in judo? Will it hold up to uh, a, a blue belt, a brown belt, or a black belt in jiu-jitsu? Now, the best way to answer it, who's the opponent? So if you answered, now be, be honest, kids, raise your hand now. How many of you guys answered the question saying uh, it won't hold up or it will hold up? Okay, a couple hands being raised, but that's not the correct answer. The correct answer, boys and girls, is who the hell's my opponent? Well, you told me their skill level, what's their size relative to mine? Okay, what's their past? All these things are part of the fluidness of a use of force. So, considering everything is equal, you're the same size as the opponent, as the subject. The subject's skill level you already know, and you're going based on your uh, defensive tactics training. Okay, but you were number one in your class, you aced it, you know the moves, and you practice the moves for the next three, four, five years, and now you're up against uh, the black belt here. Will your curriculum, your defensive tactic techniques hold up to what they say? Perform correctly. I don't know what the answer is going to be. So if you said yes or no, you're still wrong. But what I do know is you're about to get the freaking fight of your life. And there's, there is, lies the argument. The agencies have a fiduciary duty to protect their staff. You can require me to every year upgrade or train in firearms because it's a deadly force. Got that. Liability one-on-one. But when it comes to use of force, not all agencies have been created equal. Now, that's not to say you won't go to training yearly for PR-24, tactical baton, taser. That's not what I'm talking about, kids. Remember, what's the subject about? Couple hands. Hands, 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 there you go, hands, hands. That's what we're talking about. So the issue here is, are you up to par based on your technique if you have to go two to three rounds? You know, I, when I was in the um, instructor, I would see the defensive tactics instructors, and they would basically uh, tell students, you're going to fight at a percentage level of um, maybe 75%, 50% with your opponent for about two or three minutes. And they would warn them, and they would say, you know, you're probably going to get exhausted, and you're most likely uh, going to throw up. And every time they would conduct these courses, you would see one, two, three, four of them run into the corner to go puke up the lunch on a three-minute fight. But I've seen 
in my discipline, karate, do komiti, which is sparring, at a 100% rate for over, well over five, six minutes. And for whatever reason, the sensei would call it off just to give you enough time to fix your gi and call you in the fight again. And you, you were there. Now, are you really hitting yourselves with that much force? It depends if you have protective gear, of course. Um, if you don't, it's controlled. But nevertheless, you're still punching as hard as you can. One of the wonders of karate is their controlled techniques. A karateka of uh, black belt, and of course the skill level is depending on the degree, can throw at you a full-fledged punch and stop centimeters in front of your nose. And they can do it time after time after time. They can throw a roundhouse kick and just miss you. If they wanted to make contact, they could too. So they're still throwing those kicks and those punches with the same velocity, just not making contact. So there is stress in that. Or well, let's look at uh, judo and jiu-jitsu. Rolling around on the mat for three, four, five, ten minutes. Mm. Yeah, those guys are tired. But at the same time, I don't see, think they're going to be in the corner throwing up. So the mindset of a, of a martial artist is immediately different from that of a novice. And when I say novice, is the person that's learning a couple of techniques for about three months, four months, and, and then go out to the workforce and go out to the field and perform those skills, which, at least in my era, a lot of people wouldn't do. They would just resort to school yard bullying fighting so again the agencies have a fiduciary duty they require officers to be proficient in secondary weaponry and other skills as well they have ignored for many many years the defensive tactics because they don't want to get into that liability some agencies do have some type of proficiency uh, skill that an officer has to do within a given frame of, of their career, maybe every three years, four years, every year, who knows. But those agencies are far and few between. The majority of them, <coughs> the majority of them, they didn't want to touch it. Okay, they start playing around with secondary weapons. Let's get off the subject of the, what you learned in defensive tactics in the curriculum. One of the things I could tell you in every state in this great country of ours that you did learn that was in that curriculum, don't go through there looking through the pages to see if I'm right or wrong. You learned a lot of techniques, Hamelot, come along, and all this other, in your jurisdiction it might be different names, but how to do locks and takedowns and so forth, but you also learned how to punch and kick. Yep, it was in that curriculum. Guaranteed you. They might not have shown you how to throw the punch, but you punched a punching bag. Oh, yes, you did. 
because punching and kicking is definitely an element of force. So don't go through any pages and try to figure out if I'm right or wrong. You can't execute force without a punch or a kick. What are you going to do? Uh, bang him, um, uh, bump into him with your stomach? Come on. Let's get real here. So is your curriculum up to date? What is your agency doing about it? Is there a proficiency skill? Now, let me tell you about the agencies that ponder this for decades and don't do anything. They, they, they're they on the fence, back and forth. They don't know what the hell they want to do. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes in and uh, wow about Bill Hickok, and, and they want to grab the bull by the horns, and they want everybody to go to defensive tactics, updated training, rah! And by the second class, they got like 20 people in the bullpen on light duty because their workforce is fat and out of shape and they don't want, they don't, I'm not here to do force. Are you crazy? I'm not doing that. What the hell's the taser for? That mindset's got to go too. I recently saw a video and there's like nine of them and I'm going to be completely honest with the audience I could only stomach one, and I saw it for about 35 minutes. And I felt like one of those novice kids on the mat in defensive tactics running to the corner to throw up proficiously. It was a, a video of um, a committee that was started by the um, president of the United States, Obama, on 21st policing, 21st century policing and some of the recommendations that this committee gave. And I want to just touch briefly on that because I'm thinking about creating just one podcast on, on this. It was a freaking horror show. Let me tell you what the gist of the committee's responsibilities were. Cops are bad. Cops are naughty. Bad guys are good. And we've got to teach cops to do better. That was the gist of it. And they talk about that the police officers have a conquerous mindset, a warrior mindset, that they're there as public servants and we have to change their mind. What are you, freaking nuts? They're there to execute the law. Whichever way that goes, whichever way the pendulum swings, and if the bad guy, regardless of their color, okay, blue, green, green, yellow, purple, whatever freaking color they are, if their hand's in the cookie jar, they're fair game. And that's all they're there for. Now, could they have a little uh, a better approach? Uh, some of them. I've, I've met a lot of them in, in my career that have horrible attitudes. And, and they could have done a little bit better. They don't play well with others and the toys and all that. But uh, that's in every profession. And that's a supervisor's responsibility to fix. Not only drink coffee. So they, there's a lot of them that can do better. But the way this committee was breaking it down, uh, you had to do a whole new universal change of experiences 
And basically, you were just there to put up with uh, bad guys' BS and yes, sir, no, sir, and I'm sorry for even questioning you. It's wrong. It's baloney. It's pathetic. It's to degrade the law enforcement agencies in this country. The Justice Department under the Obama administration should be ashamed of their freaking self for wasting taxpayers' money on that garbage. The people that were on there were all a bunch of bigots. Not all of them. I would, you know, I'll be nice, about 90% of them. And all they wanted to talk about is uh, past history. How about futuristic history? How about that? How about dealing with the freaking bad guy that might be a good guy, but deal with him? Don't deal with the whole agency. Not everybody's a rotten freaking apple, okay? And they talked about, um, you know, how the officers... Um, are are not in tune to the communities that they're serving. That's not necessarily true. So if I'm a police officer in the city of Chicago, well, there's only one flavor of ice cream in Chicago? No, of course not. Now, if I'm assigned to a specific district, well, you know, I can't be something I'm not. Okay. So again, it's the fiduciary responsibility of the agency to pick the right people for the right communities to, to serve. That's all that is. What the hell? I, got, well, I work in Chinatown, so what? I got to act like I'm Chinese? That's not going to work, folks. That's not, the, that's not the way community policing is done. You have to be personable. Personable. Hi, how you doing? Hey, what's up? Hey, Bob, good to see you again. Ding dong. Hi, I'm Officer Friendly. I walk up and down the street here. I was a kid. Cops walked the beat in New York. You knew who they were. They knew who you were. If they didn't know you, your ass was in trouble. Because if you were in the wrong place at the wrong time and they knew you didn't belong there, boom, right by the collar you went. But nowadays you end up on YouTube, uh uh the racist pig police officer, and that kind of crap. But here's the story. Policing, and they are bad apples in every profession, but policing is going to police, and they're going to look for criminals and criminal elements. That's just the way that works. Criminal elements, ladies and gentlemen, it's okay. It's okay. If you're a snowflake, it's all right. Go into a very cold room so you don't melt so fast. It's okay. Breathe. Don't forget to breathe. But it's all right that the police officer challenged somebody based on the description because bad guys dress that way. Yeah, it's true. Oh, usually that's the car driven by bad people, drug dealers. It's okay. It's all right to do that. Oh, you need probable cause. You need. You don't know nothing about policing. You need PC. So the cops look for PC. Sometimes cops are quick on their heels. They kind of create the PC. Not good, but it happens. But it happens. But every officer, and based on their time and grade, they get better at it. They have a sixth sense about who they're dealing with. Tells them who they are. Now, 
My mother used to have an expression, God rest her soul, the way you dress is the way they will treat you. Of course, it's in Spanish. It sounds better in Spanish. But that's what she used to say. Okay? So, dress down like a thug, you're going to treat you like a thug. If you look presentable, you act presentable, you talk presentable, there's no, there's no problem here. Right? We can have a conversation. We can have an interaction Police to citizen, citizen to police, and that's the end of it. But if you don't have habilitative uh, elements in your repertoire, in other words, you don't know how to act, um, then nobody ever taught you. That's a problem because now the police officer has to teach you manners one-on-one. Which fork do you eat with? Okay, don't put your elbows on the table. It's ridiculous. So we're looking at our use of forces. Do they stand up? We looked at in podcast, our first uh, series of Everybody Was Kung Fu Fighting, which was um, number 18, episode 18. This one being 19, we're looking at now, still looking at karate as we transition into our uh, episode number 20. That's going to be Judo and Jiu-Jitsu. But in karate, the way punches are thrown, karatekas, and especially as we discussed in our first segment, JKA karatekas, Japan Karate Association, and and there are splinter groups of JKA, but they all teach JKA karate. There is no such real thing as JKA karate. It's Shotokan karate. But because the style, style is so hard and rigid, JK became infamous. So JK, there's about a million people worldwide that take JK. And they proudly call their style JK Karate. The way the punches are are given and the training methods for punching are very rigorous. And in the form of makiwara, which is a, a wooden... Um, stick, kind of like a two-by-four that's in the ground, and that's what you're going to punch with. With uh, You're going to basically punch two knuckles of your fist and how you position your hand, very similar to how you hold the weapon and so forth, those elements. There are these elements in karate. So it's the perfection of throwing the punch. It's not just throwing a freaking punch here. There's a way to throw a punch. Now, in karate, the punch is one thing. The retraction of the punch, the retraction of the kick should be faster than the delivery of the punch. Why is that? Anybody have an answer? Anybody? How about in the back row? Guys, put your head up. Nobody. Because you don't want the individual to grab your hand or your feet. So the delivery is with strength, the withdrawal is twice as fast, okay? I saw another uh, YouTube video where basically there was a big discussion about which martial art is better. Don't believe in it. I think it deals with the elements of are you an athlete? Do you eat correctly? 
Do you are you physically fit? Five, six, seven days a week training, eating a certain way. Uh, that per, that opponent is going to be much more difficult from a couch potato. Um, your height compared to your opponent, the weight. Since they used to tell us fifty pounds and above is an uphill battle. The strength level that that individual has. You have to overcome those things. Forget about style. Those are things that you have to overcome. Then we'll throw style into it. Who is your opponent? What is their skill level? Okay, we talked about are they athletic? And now, who are they? What is their skill level? What training do they have? Okay. Your average individual out in the street might have one, two, maybe on a good day, three good techniques that they know how to deliver. A karateka, judeka, a person studying jujitsu, uh, these individuals have multiple, and I would say the foundation of their techniques could be ranging between 30 and 60, but the delivery of that technique in different ways can reach into the hundreds. So an example, elbow strike. But now I can show you uh, probably a good 10 forms of delivering an elbow strike. Get, get the point? How about in the back row? You got it? So those are very important. So your opponent may have one or two, maybe three good you know, skills. One thing I discovered in my career, a lot of bad guys were very good on the upper part of the body. They always had to go fist. But they were very deficient lower part of the body. The legs were like toothpicks. One of the things I did in my karate, karate career and training I developed the lower extremities. I'm not too tall. And so with karate and the dynamics of JK karate, I would get lower to the ground. That'd be hard a target to hit. And one of the techniques that I developed was sweeping. And the sweeping was so fast and so accurate that I would have uh, partners that would, have, would work with me during my career and just recently, I I spoke to my partner of many, many years that lives up in Ocala. And we were reminiscing on a lot of war stories. And it keeps you young, folks. When you retire, you'll figure out what I'm talking about. And uh, he mentioned about the sweeps and how I would sweep people. And, you know, one minute, one second they were there, next second they were gone. And it's something that I, I perfected in JK. And I, I, because I was good at it. Of course, now um, at my age, I've developed issues with my legs, with my knees. And uh, it, I believe that a lot of that is a direct result of that type of training. But they were very effective when I was in uniform. So hot topic on this uh, podcast, El Police Radio. It's simple, folks. First of all, before we get into the hot topic, you want to connect with us? It's simple. LPoliceRadio.com. That's it. Now, on there, we've developed this. 
to take all the thinking out of everything. Once you go to lpoliceradio.com, lpoliceradio being one word, then you put the dot, you know, period, com, and you put that in the browser, we pop up. Once we pop up, scroll all the way down the bottom, and you're going to see the social network thing. It's just going to pop up out of nowhere. And it can take you to our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter, our Google Plus, uh, and our, I'm probably forgetting one or two. But anyway, I'll take you to whatever we want you to go in and experiment. We want you to communicate with us. We want you to talk to us because it's a relationship that we have to have. A lot of good, positive feedback have been coming up on, on the website. People basically saying that they enjoy the content. And uh, my take on some of the people that are writing uh, the comment sections, they are not law enforcement, so they're being educated on the law enforcement community. Folks, this concludes the karateka or the karate part of, of the uh, Everybody Was Kung Fu Fighting segment. And episode 20, we, we're going to venture into judo and jujitsu. But now, now that I got you, and you're concentrated, you're warmed up, we can have, you got it, get ready, get motivated, look up, get fired up, get ready for the conversation. Just like you've got to be trained up in defensive tactics. If you wear a uniform, and whether you work in corrections, whether you work in police, you have the responsibility to be up on your game. At any time, the enemy can come ready to attack. And you owe it to your family you owe it to your agency, you owe it to yourself to be ready for that attack. But sometimes it's not only a physical attack. Sometimes you got to be ready for that spiritual attack as well. And I can always, and I'm always delighted to give you the good news. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He came in the form of a man and as a result, he was despised by society, by man. He was spit upon. He was cursed at. He was beaten. He was tortured. And he was crucified. The Bible tells us that he did it all putting joy before him. Because he knew that at the end he was going to be victorious. And saw... And giving each one of us salvation of our sins. That's the highest calling. He succeeded and he did that. He rose on the third day, and as a result, you and I have the ability to live eternal lives. How do you do that? It's not too difficult either. But there's an element to this. First, let me explain what you have to do. You have to recognize that you are a sinner. You have to recognize that you cannot continue to live in sin because sin is death. 
what sin is death means is that you have a relationship in absence of God. Therefore, death is imminent. And when you die, you die eternally, which means the possibility that you will be going to hell as a result of not having a relationship with God. How do you have the relationship with God? You've accepted that you were a sinner. You have openly wept of the things that you've done you're not proud of, but you know that Jesus is faithful to acknowledge you as his son or daughter and that you can live eternal life by asking for forgiveness of those sins. God is faithful and will, of course, accept you. Come as you are. doesn't matter what you've done. Believe me. They have been far worse than you, and they have been forgiven. And I know that if you put your mind to it, you can do it. It's so important. You know, a lot of guys out there that I know and I worked with, I like to call them, they were tactically ready. You know, when they were off duty, they always had tactical Outfits on, tactical shirts, tactical shoes, tactical pants. When they were on duty, they had every gadget known to man. They were ready for every catastrophe that you could come up with. But are they ready spiritually to live an eternal life? That question I pose to you today. The Bible says today's the day of your salvation. It doesn't say, think about having a, a life of salvation. No, no, no. It says, today is the day of your salvation. Now, I told you how to get saved, but I didn't tell you the element. Well, the element that you have to have is you have to have a heart which is truly ashamed of the sins that you've committed. You see, God has told us in Scripture, he doesn't look at the outward man. What is an outward man? The, the words that you say. He looks at the heart. The heart tells God if you're really repenting, if you're really sorry for what you've done. How many people have told you, hey, you know, I'm sorry for what happened. They're not sorry. Two minutes later, you're going, you're getting in the elevator and they're talking about you again. But God doesn't make those mistakes. He looks at the heart. Folks, everybody was Kung Fu Fighting, lpoliceradio.com. We have more on this. Next show, episode number 20. We're going to dive into judo and jujitsu because jujitsu, especially Brazilian jujitsu, is really judo, but it was called jujitsu because it came from judo. What? You want to find out what what means? What the hell am I talking about? Plug into episode number twenty. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Before I let you go, on a lot of these segments and these episodes that we have, we talk about various things. We've talked about firearms. We've talked about, of course, now defensive tactics. 
And there's a, a lot of the episodes, not all of them, but a lot of the episodes are talking about a skill, a proficiency, something that has to be shown. Well, this year, probably in by the midsummer, we're going to be doing YouTube videos, and they, these YouTube videos are kind of slight depictions of what we were talking about. We're going to put those on video. So that's coming up. Those segments and a lot of other segments are going to be on 09 training and how that segment's going to work. Uh, probably we haven't formulated it all out uh, officially, but it's probably going to be hour-long show. You probably get the first 10 to 15 minutes on the free. After that, pay the piper and small fees. We'll pay pretty much probably talking about some type of uh, donation that you give. And, of course, X amount will give you a yearly subscription versus three months versus one month and so forth. So we're not all organized on that end yet, but that's the way 09 is going to run. So El Police Radio will continue. There will be, uh, we got four weeks in a month. You're going to get two El Police Radio segments. You're going to get uh, two 09 segments, okay, 09 training segments. On the two 09 training segments, you're going to get uh, 15 minutes on your on the freebie. And if uh, for the other one, you're going to have to plug in and get the rest of the show and what we're talking about. Same thing on YouTube. You'll get the uh, five or ten minute video feed and then uh, longer feeds. We'll, we'll break it down a lot better. What we're going to be teaching, folks, you know, a lot of it is basic stuff, but not all of it. Some is a little, a little bit more advanced. And we're going to show you small little details, but they have so much power. There's a lot to teach. We're not gurus. We're not, you know, you're not going to find us uh, somewhere in India uh, setting up a guru tent somewhere. But what we are, we have a lot of common sense and a lot of things in our repertoire of life experience tells us what works and what does not work. So keep your eyes peeled out for that, lpoliceradio.com, and it's going to be together with O9 Training Group. Folks, it's been my pleasure, my honor to be your host on L Police Radio. I wish you a safe journey wherever you're going. Be prepared. Look around. Always be ready. Be in a condition of alert, not in a condition of relaxation. Not even when you're home. Because Scripture says you can't even trust the person that you're lying next to. Folks, I'm out.